fantasy here. Me, Sir Corey Dows, like I've said in the last couple podcasts. Don't know why. <laughs> not not deserving at all. But um, <laughs> have not been knighted, unfortunately. Not yet. <laughs> no, not yet. Um, we're gonna go through the NFC South division previews. This is podcast one forty nine. Um, Topshelffantasy.com, Instagram, Twitter at topshelffntsy. Um, Listener League is still up there. We got one more Listener League member today. Actually, we, we, we hit 900 followers on Twitter. So, you know, tweet at us. If you follow the show, just, you know, say what division you, you like the best and you're probably getting in. Well, like, like, just tweet <laughs> us anything. Just tweet yeah, us anything. Any interaction talk about <laughs> the Lister League and you're in. Um, yeah, I think we got like four or five people now. Still like eight spots left. So, you know, get uh, get those tweets in, and a new website will be up and running soon. I know Tom Penny is working on that, but uh, Craig and Tom are currently on vacation in Hershey Park, eating chocolate, Amish stuff. Eating chocolate, hanging out with the Amish people. The whole nine what years. they do. The whole nine years. what so, they do. Yeah, so oh, yeah. So we, we got a new store going up there. We got the new logo up there. So it should be ready in the coming weeks, right? right in time for your drafts yeah and tweet so, at us um, if you want some swag as well i mean we can make anything put our logo on it and send it out to you let me know um what else yeah, we got draft kit coming soon that should be ready momentarily yep we got fanny packs of course fanny packs yep yeah i mean and i mean here in the news might you know some states might need to wear some masks again with the uh another outbreak so we got the some we got were fantastic you will not catch a yeah. thing on that COVID has I, nothing on that shit. Let me just say, I wore my mask. I never got COVID. So that's all <laughs> I can say. There's no evidence to support that they make any difference, but there's no evidence that says that they don't. Legally, we can't say it stops it, but it's, <laughs> it, it, it stopped it. It won't give you any more COVID than a standard mask. I can guarantee that. Yep. All right. So not, not much news to talk about. If you didn't listen to our podcast before this, uh, we kind of just broke down all the news, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Michael Thomas, K-Makers, everything, you know, so we have probably an hour-long podcast just uh, all, all the news implications, so head over there after this podcast to, you know, get caught up with the shit. Um, all right, so let's start with the uh, NFC South. I put this t- uh, together, so uh, we'll start with the Saints. They were first in the division with a 12-4 record. Um, sadly, it was Drew Brees' last year. Uh, he didn't make the Super Bowl because, um, you know, someone called Tom Brady destroyed his dreams, Aaron Rodgers' <laughs> dreams, and Mahomes' dreams. So there's that. So, I mean, decent little run on the way to the championship there. Yeah, not, not bad. I mean, we'll, we'll gloat him when, you know, his time comes. I'm sorry, <laughs> Drew Brees. But, I mean, again, we talked about this before. Hell of a career, Hall of Fame. Co- QB, we were very spoiled to see him, Rodgers, Brady, and Manning even play in the same time frame. So, fantastic career. I know he was getting up there, and he just wasn't the same as he was the last couple of years. Too bad he couldn't get that that last ring. Yeah, but, and he had um, the brutal injury um, to the ribs and whatnot. So, I don't, I don't really blame him. I, I mean, to come back and rehab him, that anymore. Him and Michael Thomas was hurt the entire year. He literally said he limped on the field to you know just to give. Breeze that last shot and he couldn't do it. And now MT is now going to miss <laughs> a lot of games because of it, but to, to each his own. Um, all right. So last year, uh, offensive point score, they're ranked fifth. Offensive ranked um, yards per scrimmage, they're ranked 12th. Passing yards ranked 19th, which makes sense. Huge drop with, with MT being out for so long. Um, Russian rank ranked fifth, which makes sense. They had a you know lean on the run game a lot. Latavius was huge, used it in a huge way too, especially with Taysom Hill under center. Um, their defense was freaking fantastic again. Um, ranked top five in, in defensive points against yards allowed, passing yards allowed, and rushing yards allowed. Top five in all those aspects. And I, I, I mean, I. I could be wrong, Dallas. I think you know a lot more about the defense than I do, but they they seem to have brought back almost everyone. They lost a few pieces, but I think they we would still say they're a top five defense going into the season. 
Yeah, they haven't lost enough pieces that I'm taking them out of top five, top ten contention easily. Um, so by by all means, you're you're, you're dead on with that uh, that uh, analysis. Yeah, I mean, as long as Cam Jordan's still there, I think they're fine. He's pretty much the defense. Yeah, and I mean, they they got <laughs> lucky with uh, Trey Hendrickson on the other side this year, yep. who showed up and put a lot of sacks up early. Um, I mean, they've got plenty of pressure coming from all over. Their linebackers are our top tier. So, um, yeah, by all means. And actually, was Malcolm Jenkins there? Is he still playing? I can't remember. Um, as of Madden, was he was. I don't know. But in real life. <laughs> <laughs> True. But um, yeah, I think he yeah, is. I mean, so I, yeah, I think I think he is, and I think they're going to continue to dominate on defense, and they're going to need it with with Drew Brees leaving. This is going to be a completely new look offense. I think the the top five in points scored, twelfth in uh, yards per from scrimmage. I think all of that is is primed to take a massive hit. The only thing that is interesting, if you look at Taysom Hill, uh, he had seven point five seven yards per attempt. Versus Drew Brees, who only had 7.54. Not saying that Jason Hill is uh, primed to be the next Drew Brees, but that's a little that's a little more uh, interesting than I thought it would be. I expected to see Taysom Hill a lot lower. And, you know, part of that's probably that Drew Brees wasn't taking a ton of bombs downfield because he didn't really have the talent out there with Michael Thomas hurt for a long time. But that's somewhat telling that Taysom Hill can throw the ball. Despite what anybody says, a 73% completion percentage, yeah, seven and so, a half yards so- per attempt. Ain't bad. That's kind of shocking because Rick, all right, you know, a good quarterback's in that 65% range and elite quarterback's in that 68 to 70% range. You got to yeah. Taysom Hiller at 73. It's like, look, you see, he's, he's not taking the, the shots deep down to Traquan Smith or, or Deontay Paris. He's probably doing those little dump offs, but it's still like, it's still impressive. I mean, yeah. he had a throw in those four games he's, he started. I, I don't 100%. know. I mean, I, I I didn't think it was seventy percent, but yeah, I'm um, looking at it, it was just, I, I was shocked. Yeah, I mean, his bread and butter is his rushing ability. So we talked about this in the last podcast. Who do we think's gonna start? I think we kind of all lean Hill a bit, but it could be Hill or Winston. We'll know a lot more, which is probably why we should have done this podcast and you know the last of the NFC is because of it. But um, if Jason Hill does start, I have to put him in a top 15 quarterback just because of his rushing ability i know he's a jalen hurts i don't love them as an nfl quarterback for a team but with their ability to rush and line up everywhere in the field especially Taysom hill you unfortunately have to rank them that high any person that can have rushing ability has to be ranked that high yeah, I mean, you saw it last year with Cam Newton for the Patriots. He couldn't throw the ball, you know, like to save his life, but was a, a viable fantasy starter multiple, multiple weeks. So Taysom Hill is going to follow that mold. And if he can throw better than Cam Newton last year, which these stats indicate that he can, yeah, you have apparently so. You know, <laughs> you have a decent, a decent little uh, starting point. The problem is Michael Thomas is hurt. That's that's going to be the limiting factor for whoever plays quarterback here. You were throwing to the likes of Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, uh, Chris Hogan, if he gets on the field, uh, Deontay Harris, like Adam Troutman. These are not household names even. Even, even if you're a, a hardcore fantasy guy, these aren't household names. So that's problematic. I don't care if you're Taysom Hill or anybody else. That's something to watch out for. Um, am I buying into this offense this year? I'm buying Alvin Kamara. I'm probably buying Taysom Hill late in uh, in redraft in probably Latavius Murray, but I think I'm probably stopping my buying right there. I uh, I think you got to add in Troutman though. Um, just yeah, as, especially if you do the no no tight end real strategy until like yeah, the end yeah. of the draft. Yeah, of course. He he's a like, fantastic s- second to last round pick in a mm-hmm. position that you know besides the top five or six, it's really a you know. A yeah. toss up, and again, if, I if he's like, out there, like he's going to see the targets because MT demanded. I know he's out a lot last year, but no, he had a 55 target. So the cra- the crazy thing here is 169 nice vacated targets, and that's <laughs> nice. before and and that's not including MT, Michael Thomas, who's lo- likely out for the first six to seven weeks. So put that to 200 vacated targets. Like, I'm not. I'm not going to say they're going to they're going to go 
somewhere else, but say there's a hundred targets out there to give away, like uh, Troutman can see a good amount. I know Jared Cook and Josh Hill combined for 70 targets alone last year. So you go Troutman, you know, 70 targets by himself. I think that's a, he could easily finish as a tight end one. Yeah. I mean, the touchdowns too, but. Yeah, there's, there's no question he has tight end one upside. The problem is the gap between the tight end five overall and the tight end five through 10 or five through 12 or whatever your league right, is to make right. you a, a tight end one. But I've completely flipped my entire approach this year and I'm drafting tight ends. I'm trying to get one of the top four guys. If I can't or if you know, I blow it or they just go way earlier than I expected to, I still want to reach on one of them. Trevin's a guy I'm targeting 100% for every yep. reason you just gave. 70 targets for tight end is, is phenomenal. I don't know that he turns it into huge production, no matter if it's Taysom Hill or James Winston, but they got a third of somebody. Might as well be Troutman. And in the end zone, huge target. Why not him? Oh, yeah. Or, sorry, not end zone, in the red zone. Yeah. Uh, and again, Kamara, regardless of who the quarterback is, I think – it helps him with Jameis out there more than Hill, but is it going to affect him um, enough to move him out of the top four or five? Pro- probably not. I well, mean, it, it, um, what's his name? Jared Cook had a fine season last year, minus a few drops in the end zone. So, oh yeah. I mean, just no, no. I mean, Jared Cook has seven. The Saints are have a bad season. Seven touchdowns last year for Jared Cook. Again, a Trump gets seventy targets. 500 to 550 yards and seven touchdowns. That's that's tight end one. Like that's a t- that's a top 12, and yeah. that's a risk I will take in the last round. Yeah, um, million percent. Other than that, I, I know they they brought in Nick Vanette as a tight end, but um, he he's more of a blocking tight end than anything, which you know helps Kamara, helps Murray, helps any quarterback with a little more time. Um, and they brought in a, uh, the rookie Kawan Baker, wide receiver. So, I mean, he's a guy that can, you can toss in with Deontay Parrish or Marcus Calloway just to get some more targets. Guy I didn't add because it happened yesterday, and I did this, you know, weeks ago. Chris Hogan. Uh, we talked about last time. He did bring him in from his lacrosse days. Um, he's now on the Saints. I, I, I can't really believe they didn't bring in a Golden Tate or Alshon Jeffrey, or, or I think we can – Taylor Gabriel has been out there for two years, like – like, yeah, and I think in the last podcast, uh, our friend Derek kind of hit on the head. Like, you know, they probably brought him out there to be a blocking we- weapon on the outside because he's been he's been doing that for his entire career. So, um, I don't think Hogan is a factor in the passing game whatsoever. But no, it's just he, he shouldn't, and he shouldn't just be an annoyance. <laughs> if yeah. if Hogan is a, a a factor in the passing game you've made a mistake as the Saints. Like, this is not yeah. how you win games. If you are, if he's even close to your leading receiver, you're probably not winning those games. So stop. Right, right. Stop before yeah. you start. I, and again, we don't yes. know why he signed him. I, I would have taken, I could probably name 10 guys I'd signed before Chris Hogan. So I digress. Yeah, I'm sure I can too. But like Danny Mandola, I think would have been a fine fit too. And yeah. I know teams have been working out him as well. But again, end of the day, don't, draft Chris Hogan. Don't pick up Chris Hogan in your dance leagues. There's better options and flyers out there. Yeah. Is Larry Fitz still out there? I know he's talking about retiring, but I'd, I'd give him a phone call before the guy that's playing friggin' lacrosse. Yeah, that, that's actually a good idea. I mean, I mean, like, if I'm Larry Fitz, I'm, I'm, if I'm going to come back, it's going to be for the Cardinals or it's going to be for a contender. Like, I'm going to the Rams or, or someplace like that. Yeah. I mean, Kenny Stills is sitting out there. I would. I mean, I'd take like Lev Bell and tell him to play wide receiver with his hand. <laughs> Josh Gordon just got cleared for reinstatement. Yeah, like, no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> if I'm a team, I'm not bringing Josh yeah, Gordon just... anywhere. <laughs> I mean, now I'm really down the list here. Like Tavon Austin, Des Bryant. Like these are guys I probably, I guess, Chris Hogan comps to just fine. But like, yeah. But I mean, like Austin I, Carr. I think we we brought up Golden Tate more than once on eight would be a fantastic yes. fit for, for several teams. And I am I shocked think, he's still out there. I think you, you're going to see him um, on a team, but it's not going to come until later when it's kind of too late in draft season. It might be like a mid-season pickup, but 
Yeah, I think he, um, he'll be a guy that signs after a camp injury too. Like, yeah, a guy that can come in, learn offense quickly, contribute, but maybe has a bit of an attitude problem. Wants to make sure he gets a role. I know he he was on the outs with the Giants, so it could be still related to that. Right, um, and uh, you know, it's a fullback signing, but Alex Arma, yeah, is that the guy from the Panthers last year? Yep, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, pretty good fullback for where that's a block. He <laughs> does. I mean. Again, uh, him and Nick Vanette, they bring in two great blocking guys on the line. And, and I mean, if they're going to rely on the run again this year, it's a fantastic pick. And then the last yeah. thing for them is is they, they they draft Ian Book, the quarterback rookie. He, he compares almost identical to, to Taysom Hill, which is kind of a weird thing to bring in. Uh, unless you want right. to start Taysom Hill and have him take the Taysom Hill role as of old. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I just think it's more just a – whatever pick um yeah yeah you see what you have if if neither one of those guys are working out you got a rookie you can throw to the wolves and then figure it out in the future yeah i mean it depends what the record is to two by like weeks yeah. eight i guess yeah. um i mean they're paying so, taste mill too much money to sit him so he's gonna be he's gonna be involved oh well, he's making a shitload so that's the the saints there um again either taste hill or Wentz, and we think it's hell Kabar is in play, of course. Latavius is a fantastic late-round guy you can get as a flex spot. Michael Thomas is a uh, – well, let's go here. Michael Thomas, say he's out for six weeks. Where is he going in drafts? It, it, if he's on the pop and he won't be back to week seven, where would he go in drafts, you think? Yeah. So where I think he's going in drafts is still going to be earlier than I would ever take him. I think he still flies off the board in like the fifth or sixth round, probably even earlier, but people think that he's still going to come back and they're still going to be able to get him and play him and yada, yada, yada. But for me, I'm not touching the guy. I did the AJ green experiment before and he never came back and never played a game. I was burned by that. I won't be doing it again. And this is, it's too familiar. So it's going to be a pass for me, dog. Yeah, all right, Brandon Jackson, <laughs> and I did bring the same thing last podcast with Doug Baldwin in 2018. It was the same thing, like, oh, he's hurt, but he'd be back. Didn't come back, and then you yeah. wasted a the fourth round, fifth, fifth round pick. But like, if he falls to round eight, sure, I'll take him, but he's not going to. Again, right. he's, he's off my board at all costs. I will not draft him, and. No one could use him as a bus because that's so unfair. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to play half the season, of course, you're going to be a bust. Yeah. I mean, for his his sake and the Saints' sake, they should hold him out as long as possible. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't think they're content this year at all. I think it's a weird bridge year. They're not going to be bad. They're not going to be good. They're going to be that you know six to seven win team. Yep. Which, yeah, is, no, weird, I, I, which is very weird for the Saints. It's one of the last places you want to be in the NFL, too. Just middle of the pack. All right, so Saints are done. Let's go to the um, – I mean, this is kind of depressing because, you know, Drew, Drew Brees retires. Let's talk about Hill and Winston. Boo. Way more fun to talk about is um, is God, the GOAT, Tom Brady, and the Bucks. That video of him throwing into the juggy machine, and it just comes right back to him. Do you see that one? Yeah. So do we think that – that's real. I think it is. It looks real to me, dude. It looks pretty unedited. So, like, like, and I don't care if it's like, you know, those like YouTube clips of like, you know, someone shooting a basketball from like a garage and hits like a car and then trampoline goes in. They, they try that thing 85 times and hit it. He might have done the yeah. same thing, but still, right. like, then he backs up. He's like, yo, let's go. I'm like, oh, I, God, I love this guy so much. <laughs> it just it just looks so legit. And I mean, it's one continuous shot. There's no breakaways. The ball never leaves the frame of sight. Like, it looks real to me. And it just seems feasible. I mean, like, you're throwing a ball into a thing, it's going to catch it, shoot it back to you. That's freaking awesome. But, like, oh, yeah. I mean, just, just another reason we love Tom Brady around here. Like, we needed another one. Oh, no. Nope, not at all. Um, so, 11-5 record last year. Super Bowl champs. Um, we kind of brought it before. He beats Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Pat Mahomes to get his seventh ring. And you can say what you want about, you no, know, the refs had a say in the game or whatever. They they beat the Bucks. They beat the, the Chiefs easily in the Super Bowl. And just to get there, and he had to beat a Washington defense that was probably the best 
in the league at the time in round one. Oh, they're cooking, and he just and he, right. and he would ch- chase Young, gunning for him every play. Yep, and it's part it's part of the best team they played all year. But um, in the stats, um, for a team, offensive points scored the third in the league, yards per scrimmage seventh, passing yards uh, second, and rushing yards 29th. That's a massive, massive dip from passing to rushing yards. I mean. Recently, so I mean, you see the pass catchers Brady has, and then you see Ronald Jones and Foran, who who aren't bad, but they aren't Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, AB, and Gronk. Like they're just not that. Mm-hmm. Um, and defensive, of course, they have one of the best r- rushing D's two years in a row, ranked first again. Passing yards allowed twenty first, which is better than thirty second last year. So they're. Their cornerbacks, are their secondary is getting better and better each year, which just helps the Bucs become just a better team every single year. And then they brought everyone back. You know how many big targets they have? Well, you, you do because you can see it. <laughs> how many, Scott? Two. Yeah, it's not. Two vacated targets. And that comes from uh, one from Kenyon Barner and one from Anthony Eclair, the tight end. Yeah, and they have, so those will—they uh... have zero rushing attempts, like vacated rushing attempts. Yeah, so those will be absorbed they... no problem by anybody else. Because it's one freaking catch or two catches. Like yeah. that's just, that's crazy. You take a, a championship caliber team and you lose nobody. I I'd like to do some research on the last time that happened. Yeah, I mean, they had no cap space, but we learned very heavily this offseason for every team that cap does not matter they brought back yeah. ab they franchise tagged chris godwin they brought back gronk for eight to ten a year for one more year and yeah. then they're like yeah geo we'll find some space in the cap for you come over like they brought yeah. everyone back plus some which is nuts, insane. and and again, does not happen on championship rosters, especially in this day and age where you're peaking and you're over the cap really most of the time, and you know that this is your one run and your one shot, and your window's supposed to be so tight. Apparently not. So Tom yeah. Brady probably is odds-on favorite next to the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, and we'll probably be the two of them again, and we'll just we'll run it back. Yeah. Um, I mean, what to talk about? Everything. I mean, yeah, Ronald I mean, Jones is back. Yeah, I'm buying pieces of this offense. Like unlike the Saints, I'm I'm buying every piece of this offense. Like probably yeah. both running backs later. Like these are not early picks for Rojo and Leonard Fournette, but I want them. You know, in in some capacity. Tom Brady is a top. What was he top six quarterback last year? So yeah, I think it was six or six or seven. Yeah, so I'm still buying him. Um, you know, again later, but then Godwin, Evans, Gronk. Uh, OJ Howard as a flyer late is is still in in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you can talk me into Scotty Miller, AB, like these guys yeah. are guys I, mean, I wouldn't mind stashing late. On. Like, I'll take AB in a, in like the eleventh plus round. Yeah, because if Godwin or Evans goes down, boom, like he's could be a top ten back. And forget like AB is AB, and he played well last year in limited snaps. Who says he that he doesn't have those games that, as a top ten guy? I mean, it would be annoying for like an Evans owner, Godwin owner, and AB. Like AB has a big game, Godwin has two two points, and Evans has six, and then it's it you know it rotates. You you don't want that, but yeah. that might happen. That's the only thing. Like this office is fun; it's explosive, but there's a lot of pieces there. And then you can you have Gronk and take away touchdowns. You have OJ Howard coming back, who looked like the top tight end in the first four weeks before he went down. And then you still, like you said, you have Scotty Miller who had massive plays. Tyler Johnson's back. They drafted Jalen Darden, who was a burner. So like they have, they might have too many weapons for you to, I mean, you can trust them, but it's going to be those hit or miss games more than anything. Right. And I, and I think the safest guy in the offense is probably Chris Godwin. I think you know that he's probably the most likely to give you a safe floor with a high ceiling. Mike Evans is going to continue to be his volatile self and give you two points or 40 points. And it could be on two catches for two touchdowns and five yards. 
And you're like, yeah, which, okay. Which happened a lot of times last year. Right. And if you can do it consistently, <laughs> consistently you still end up being a decent um, wide receiver at the end of the year. But it doesn't always help you win fantasy games because 40 points one week, you kill a guy by 40 points. The next week, he scores nothing, and then you lost your game. It's tough from a fantasy perspective. Like those 40 points, unfortunately, don't get uh, distributed evenly over the course of your season to then let you win games. Right. However, you cut it. I think Chris Godwin's the guy I buy first. Evans a little bit after, not far after, but a little bit after. And then AB and Scotty Miller and the rest of the offense down the line. and then Ronald Jones, I don't know. I took him in our last draft, and I got him super late. I'd say I got him like the 12th round or something crazy. It was, it was absurdly late, you, if you still have that mock-up. Yeah. Um, I seems late, more. maybe like seven or eight. Um, but I know I, in my – I think in, in all of ours, like someone might have Mike Evans at like 15 and going at 16 or, or, or switch. Like we, I think we all have them almost back-to-back in all of our rings because we saw him as two top – uh, two wide for ones with Winston two years ago. Who says they can't do that with like, like, like the uh, the reality is there, but like you said, it's going to be more of a headache that Mike Evans will do the forty point game or two point game. I'm a big Mike Evans fan, and last year he didn't get lucky, but like his success was based off his thirteen touchdowns. That's a lot of t- that's a lot of touchdowns, especially with God bless you, especially you, with. Chris Godwin coming back, who didn't play a full season and still got seven touchdowns, and then AB there um, for a full season. Like, I just don't see Mike Evans getting the 13 touchdowns and 70 targets. I mean, 70 receptions. Yeah. And and Um, I mean, the there is a thing to remember with the Bucs. They did struggle a little bit off the bat to to start the season. So, who who knows that this isn't, I don't want to say a, a new look offense. But with another year's worth of reps, another year's worth of practice, that all of them don't coexist, or that there's a new favorite in town, and it is a B, and, and there's a problem there with for both Chris Godwin and, and Mike Evans for target shares. And, I mean, Brady's lugged a B around with him for you know, three years now, it seems. So there's obviously some sort of connection where he wants to throw the ball to the guy. So right. there's that looming threat that's not going away, and. At any given time, too, we've seen Leonard Fournette have a hundred target season. So, like, who knows that he doesn't get mixed in even more as they get more and more familiar with him because he came in midway through the season last year. Like, right? I, I mean, uh, it's a for an offense that we were so sure about, and we know what we think that we have in hand with each player. All of them together creates a question mark that I'm unfamiliar with, and the longer they stay together. I'm, I'm not feeling more comfortable. I'm feeling more concerned, I guess. I mean, and then just to add to it, you bring in one of the better pass catching backs and pass blocking backs in Gio Bernard. Yes. So, I mean, I, I Fournette and Jones, especially Jones, struggle thoroughly in the passing game and, and blocking game, um, which is Jones's biggest flaw the last um, two years. So you, you bring in Gio, who has a plenty of success blocking for his quarterback. He's done, he's done it since day one. He's a fantastic pass catcher. So you add him with Rojo and Fournette. Keyshawn Vaughn, sorry, he's not. He's done. <laughs> he, he's done. He, he's a special team guy, especially at, at least this year. But, I mean, you add Gio in there, too. Like, there's another guy that you have to account for. I mean, I'm not going to – I'm not going to draft him in probably any redraft leagues if it's a late last round, maybe. But like you said, you, you're drafting Rojo and Fournette probably in the RB 30s range. Like, yeah, it's it's just another guy that's going to be a headache. Yeah, and Rojo did have those uh, two very poorly timed fumbles last year, I believe, in back to back weeks, and then you saw Fournette take over the whole game. If that's the way that Arians is going to coach then you're one fumble away from starting Rojo and him giving you zero points because Fournette played the rest of the game. Like, mm-hmm. right. That's a and, problem too, especially for a guy that. And it's not, it's not Aaron's coaching. It's Brady who right. we've seen. If you fumble with Brady, you are in the doghouse. Oh yeah. He's, he's going to drive going and you fumble it away for him. You're done. See ya. Absolutely done. Yep. Ride pine pal. 
I mean, I'm looking at Leonard Fournette's CRS per carry, 3.78. Ugh. And you get Rojo 5.09. Like, that's tremendously yeah. better. And Ro- Rojo was great on the ground in some games, and then other games not so much. But you'd see him. He had those games where he just broke. What, what do you have, a 92-yard touchdown or something like that this yeah. year where he just up the middle. See ya. I mean, that, that helps your yards per carry, sure. Yep. Yeah, that too. All right. Um, other than that, they, you know, I said they bring Jalen Darden. They, they draft Kyle Trask, quarterback, fantastic pick. Um, sit under Brady for two more years or eight more years or ten more years, depending how long Brady plays. But uh, great guy to just have sit behind him and then take over in 2035. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's really at this point, how long does Brady want to play? Because apparently his body's just never going to break down. He's going to keep going. So. Who knows at this point? I'm I'm not counting him out to play at least 50. I'll tell you that much. I mean, yeah, I think he's uh, two more years on his contract, and he said after the two year contract, he just see where he's at, which is yeah. which he said when he was 35. At yeah, 36, and, see where I'm at, and, and if he keeps winning. Why? Oh, uh, you know, why not 10, stick around? Yeah. Ugh, unreal. All right, going down to, to Corey Dow's team, Carolina Panthers. Whoop, whoop. Where's the hat? I literally just took it off, actually. <laughs> oh, you were the whole time. Shit, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was. I just figured took it off right here. Just getting oh, warm in here. I didn't want to run the AC. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the Panthers finished third at 5-11. and 11. Um, Definitely a better season than last year. Um, and the year before that with Kim getting hurt, you had – I think Kyle Allen playing a lot of the games, but they brought in yeah, uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, okay, yeah. and now he's gone. But Bridgewater, I, I he did fine for fantasy wise for his receivers. I mean, he he made Curtis Samuel, Rob Anderson, and DJ Moore all, all three of those guys uh, like three top thirty five receivers, which is hard to do, and he only threw fifteen touchdowns. Yeah, you so would have loved to see him tack a few more touchdowns on there, and he really oh could have pushed these guys into you know wide receiver two consistent echelon. But you know, we also thought that the Panthers were investing in him long term. They gave him a three year deal, right, or a two year deal for twenty one million or something like that. Like it, it wasn't cheap. It, it, it's 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 a startable contract for NFL team, and yeah, and now he's gone. But I mean, I think they make the right move bringing in Sam Darnold. I think he's younger. He's got a little bit more upside. Can throw the ball. I don't know. Robbie Anderson maybe likes him. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it, it, so I think the biggest thing from last year was Robbie Anderson coming from the Jets. We always thought of Anderson as, you know, he's just he's just a one-tree pony. He's a deep, deep ball guy. If he gets it, he gets it. If not, he's nothing. Complete opposite going to Carolina. He was the possession guy. He had 136 targets. That was top 10 in the league. 95 receptions. A thousand six yards, only three to three uh, touchdowns. Yeah, so which is the, brutal. You bring the touchdowns up a bit, like he's he's easily top twenty uh, receiver. And then you had yeah. DJ Moore. He had more receiving yards. He had hundred more receiving yards on sixty six receptions. So almost thirty few receptions. So DJ Moore was the big play guy, and Robbie Anderson was you know possession guy which i would have you know thought opposite yeah and in preseason last year we were talking about dj moore is the easy pick you pick him and then is it robbie anderson or curtis samuel we argued about that for weeks mm-hmm. turns out they both had all three of them had fine years and they're all pretty comparable but like i i mean i, I think curtis samuel is probably the biggest surprise to me i think i, I always knew dj moore and robbie anderson had upside dj moore probably had not the season that we expected based, based on the volume of targets. And like you said, kind of playing a different role than he had played for the previous chunk of his career. And then Robbie Anderson, again, flipping the script and having a fantastic season. Uh, and then Curtis Samuel, I mean, he's freaking running the ball from running back position. So not what we expected from him either. <laughs> I mean, he, he has 41 carries for 200 yards and two touchdowns. So, so I looked it up. Um, DJ Moore is wide for 22, Robbie Anderson was 24, and Curtis Samuel was 25. Yeah. That's on the the back of Tate Bridgewater, again, throwing 15 
touchdowns all season. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying Darnold's going to be leaps and bounds better than that, but you would think that they bring Darnold in because of that reason. I know CMC's back. I, so, you know, let's talk about him. He only played three games l- l- last year, but, I mean, those three games he had, like, 30 points per game. So he's going to take a lot of the work away from the receivers. There's going to be more, you know, ground game than Mike Davis last year. VK targets are 200 total, but that means nothing because, you know, CMC wasn't there. So give him 200 carries plus, I don't know, 120 targets. Like, that's yeah, probably his, fair. his game plan there. Yeah, and, and I mean, just to double back to um, Sam Darnold, you, we've seen him throw the ball to the running back quite a bit in his career with, with a good amount of success. So now you pair him with Christian McCaffrey, even better. And again, uh, the touchdowns versus Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold's never thrown less than 17 touchdowns in, in a season, except for last year when he played nine games. So that's or maybe 12 games he played. But either way, he's not playing a full season, and he's throwing almost as many touchdowns as Teddy. So I look for a, a big improvement in the passing game, both to the wide receivers and to the running back. And assuming Christian McCaffrey is healthy and can play, you know, can give you a full 16 or close to it. It's the entire offense looks different. Yeah. 17 true, but the entire offense looks different with him in the backfield versus literally anybody else in the league that you could possibly name. Right. And um, so they lose Mike Davis as well. We said Curtis Samuel, best pretty much the biggest people there. Um, they bring in David Moore, Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold's a, a sneaky tight end, like he's you know he's a he's a possession route runner tight end. I don't want to drive from Dan Arnold anywhere, even you know dynasty. But for the rookies, are is very interesting. Chuba Hubbard, um, what uh, fourth round pick, I think. Um, that's a good question. I can look that up. Yeah, I think so, I think so though. So he was a fantastic season in college in 2019. And then he would just kind of, you know, sucked last year, which, which plummeted his, his uh, draft stock. Yeah, round four, pick 126. Okay. Um, I mean, it kind of shows that they they want to bring someone in to, I'm not going to say like take carries away, but in case CMC does go down, they can have a talented rookie in Hubbard to take over. Um, I'm not sure who else is there for running backs. I think Reggie Bonifant is still there. Trenton Cannon is still there. Rodney Smith, but none of those guys do do anything. For no, me. no, none of those guys are people I want on my team at all. Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard is a guy I want on my team as certainly as a handcuff to CMC. If you are the CMC owner, I would not be begrudge you reaching on him in like the eighth or ninth round, even just to ensure that you're there given CMC's injury history. But on top of that, even if he's not, uh, or even if you're not a, a CMC owner, I want Shuba Hubbard in the event that he's another Mike Davis. You know, CMC goes down, somebody has to run the ball quite a bit to, to, to fill that void. It might as well be Hubbard. I don't know who else on the team's going to do it. I don't think it's Reggie Bonifan or Trent McCannon or anybody no. else. So, and, and realistically, if CMC were to go down again. I don't think it would be just Chuba Hubbard. They'd probably bring in the Todd Gurley or Lev Bell or, or that back style of veteran running back that's out on free agency right now. But it would still be Chuba Hubbard's role more than likely while they waited for that person to come in and get up to speed. And we're looking at this resurgence of COVID stuff. So who knows what we're going to do for waiting periods to be okay to play and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other ballpark that I haven't even really wanted to get into, but it, it is important. I mean, if you're going to talk about vaccinated versus unvaccinated and the waiting periods allowed, those are the guys that are going to get signed if you have a two day waiting period versus ten days. So I mean, uh, Gus Edwards just got put on the COVID list, so he's he's out for training every ten days. Yep, that that could and be huge. Ten days a week and a half of of you know, practices that somebody could take your spot, you know, especially in a, a, a team like the Ravens where they run the ball non friggin' stop, you know, Justice Hill goes out and has a great game or a great practice rather. See you later. Yeah. Um, and the other rookie Dow's favorite Terrace Marshall. So I'll Dude. talk about him. <laughs> I've been saying for a long time, that Terrace Marshall this year is your best shot at a Justin Jefferson breakout kind of performance that nobody sees coming. 
And I stand by that. I mean, in this offense, we just told, we just told you that with DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and uh, Robbie Anderson, you had three, well, 22, 24, and 25 finished wide receivers. There's no reason to think that Terrace Marshall can't immediately slot in and be one of those guys, especially if they need somebody who can run routes all over the field, which you can. Freak athlete, you can play a Curtis Samuel role, or DJ Moore goes back to playing that more slot-ish role, and then you have Terrace Marshall on the outside with his big body, might be more effective at it. I think it's a fantastic pick. The big question is just going to be if Sam Darnold can sync up with him quickly enough to throw him the ball in uh, on a consistent basis, because Sam Darnold, no matter how much I might like him as a, as a quarterback is not Kirk cousins, even though Kirk cousins is not Tom Brady, you know, there's there are two steps down to get to where Sam Darnold is from an elite quarterback and Kirk cousins, although consistent and definitely somebody I would like to have on my team and, and uh, a consistent performer is not an elite quarterback either. So Again, your potential and your ability for Terrace Marshall is huge. Your upside is massive, especially from where you can probably get him in redraft. You might be able to snag him super late, 12-plus round. But you're limited by a factor outside of just his talent, which is unfortunate because you know it's Sam Harmon. And we've seen what he can do, and we've also seen what he can do, which is a problem when they're <laughs> both good and bad. bad. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing ghosts again. I'm not going to be too happy that I took anybody in this offense this entire offense comes down to what Sam Darnold can do. And, and I'm putting my eggs in his basket with, I mean, I'm with consent. Um, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Don't take that in like a rippy kind of way, but um, I mean, I, I'm putting my confidence in him. I guess that's the safer way to say it. So like I am drafting Rubbiance. I'm drafting DJ Moore. I'm, I'm, I will draft Terrace Marshall just in case you know one of those goes down, or again, three top twenty-five receivers, you, you don't know. Yep. So I mean, I, I I do trust the team to bring in Darn to trade for him, and I mean, he was a talented guy with the Jets. You know, we we've seen plenty of people come from from the Jets, and um, Adam you know, Gase, baby, succeed. I mean, he's Rob Anderson. He's free of he's free yeah. of the Gase stench. Maybe he's here to play. Uh, Matt Rule has has looked fine as a head coach. I know they only won four games or five games this year. Yeah, but it's, I mean, with CMC out, what do you right. want them to do? And and you know, in a weak defense, defense that they addressed yeah. in the draft. So yeah, I like Rule. I think he. I think he's. A, I think he's a good coach. I think what we've seen so far, he's been very limited in what he has had access to what he's been able to do. But I think he's a smart guy, and I think he can coach up a quarterback. And I think he noticed something in Sam Darnold and said, "I can. I can work with this kid." Yep. All right, so uh, that's the Saints, and to the bottom feeders, the Atlanta Falcons uh, finished at four and twelve. Um, and uh, I know they, they they sucked, but they're <laughs> they're gonna be great this year because they have Julio. Oh no, they got rid of Julio Jones. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, ignore the door closing. That's my brother in the background wearing a top shelf fancy shirt, but um, <laughs> so last year middle of the pack. Uh, Points scored 16th in the league. Uh, yards for scrimmage 18th. Passing yards fifth, which is makes sense. He had you know Kevin Ridley and Julio there, and rushing yards a game 20th. No, yeah, uh, 20th, which is kind of surprising because I thought their running game sucked, but they kind of just piled you know Todd Gurley into the ground to start the season, and then Brian Hill and Edo Smith like like. The yeah. running game at the end of last season was was putrid. Yeah. I mean, you see Todd Gurley getting three, less than three and a half yards of carry. That that ain't going to do it. Yeah. I mean, uh, he he got lucky with touchdowns last year. Yep. Why would he have uh, nine, nine touchdowns on? And he scored those in the oh. first half of the season. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, after week seven or eight, you, you couldn't start the guy at all. Um, I mean, it's crazy the um, uh, amount of players they like lost. Like, their vacated rushing attempts are 364. <laughs> 364. And right now they have the likes of Mike Davis, who was just brought in, Cordero Patterson, who is more of a gadget wide receiver than a running back. And then they have Cordero Olsen. And rookies like Javian Hawkins, like 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 
as of right now, Mike Davis is the starter there. And we've said before, volume is king. And he is going in the mid-20s um, as an RB. Like, he's going out after guys like uh, like Chase Edmonds or Kareem Hunt, which is probably the right thing to do. But if, if he's getting a vacant rushing attempts, like, like if he's getting 200 of those, yeah, holy shit. And Plus some work in the passing game. And, of course, the, the new head coach, Arthur Smith, the old OC in the, in the Titans that did that with Derrick Henry. He comes over with a run-heavy head coach, and you lose Julio Jones. So it's not like, oh, you know, Tiger is gone, Edo Smith's gone, Brian Hill's gone, let's pass more. No, they're probably going to pass a little less because they lost one of the best receivers in the entire NFL who demanded probably 130-plus targets a year in a full season. Yeah, I mean, you have so much potential for Mike Davis, for him to not even be going near the top of the league. And I know there's a lot of questions about maybe they still bring somebody in. So maybe his ADP will still creep higher as we get closer to the season and they don't. But even if they bring back like a Todd Gurley, it's that offense. Like, I'm not worried about that. I'm, I'm happy to have Mike Davis. That's why in Dynasty, I went after him very aggressively. I wanted Mike Davis pretty much no matter what. Um, he, I, think, I think he has a massive role. Now he has to stay healthy, but that's true for every single player in every single season of every single fantasy football you know, uh, league you'll ever play. So I don't really worry too much about staying healthy, but like you said, the, the volume of just the vacated rushing attempts alone, plus the vacated targets, plus that they haven't brought anybody else in to play wide receiver. I mean, they're going to shift Russell Gage and all Zacchaeus and Christian Blake and Hayden Hurst. And, and they brought in Kyle Pitts. And these are the guys that are supposed to eat the majority of that 195, which means that they have to grow their roles significantly. But Russell Gage already had over 100 targets last year. Is he a guy that you want to take a Julio Jones 130 targets? Because I don't. And I'm a Russell Gage owner, and I love Russell Gage. Like, yeah. But if he's getting 130 <laughs> targets, I think you have a bit of an issue with your offense. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think he's fine with the 190 he had last year. It might go up a bit. Like I, I do like Gage a lot this year as, as a sneaky later on guy. Same as last year. Yeah. Um, oh, he turned yeah, out fine if you took him late last year. I did in a lot of leagues, and I enjoyed playing him. But what? Why does he thirty-seven? Upside is, is limited by right. who he is. So if you get him in the you know the teen rounds, he finishes a wide receiver thirty-seven last year. If yeah. that's his floor, it's a fantastic <laughs> yeah. spot. Um, I mean who. Julio's gone, so those four touchdowns are can probably go up. Yeah. But um, other than that, I, I mean, biggest thing is Kyle Pitts. Yes. We have to talk about that guy for a bit. He, he's one of the best talented tight ends in college probably ever. He's probably the most talented tight end in college of all time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was linked to, you know, when Vernon Davis was coming out 10 plus years ago, like, these guys are freak athletes, and they picked him. Well, was it fifth overall, fourth overall? Um, fourth. Yeah, yeah, because the fifth was the Bengals. Right. Yeah. So I mean, in fantasy, I think in redraft, he'd already be ranked as a top six tight end, and I wouldn't. I I probably rig him five to be honest. Yeah, especially I'm not especially I'm not fighting with, that, especially with with Julio gone. 195 vacated targets. If he gets 100 targets, boom, that's a that's a tight end one. Like that, that's a top five tight end. Yeah, and I think quite honestly, right off the bat, he trends closer to the Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller volume of like 140 targets. Not probably not quite there, but if he grabs 120 to 130, that's top three for tight end targets in the league last year. I mean, it went Kelsey and Waller at 145 each. And then Logan Thomas was the third in targets at 110. Evan Ingram at 109 in fourth place. If you can be over 100 targets, which you easily can, if we're looking at 394 vacated rushing attempts plus 195 vacated targets, like that work is there for the taking. And who's to say they don't go in the in the form of passes to Kyle Pitts? There's no reason to believe he can't hit that volume, that target volume, which as long as he converts it to catch percentage or his catch percentage is high enough and he converts us into receptions, I mean, that's that's a usage workload that indicates he should be a top-tier tight end, regardless of 
whether that's a slant route, an in route, a five yard in, like you're going to have him running seam routes too. So like he's probably very prone to get a couple of humongous gainers on the year and score some long touchdowns as well. But every single thing in the, in the Falcon offense is now almost contingent on his success. I mean, if you're going to have a successful offense, it means that Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley need to do exactly what they did last year. And Calvin Pitts needs to play like Julio Jones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I, he's more of a, a receiver in the NFL, I think, than a, t- a tight end. So we always ask, like, are they going to give him that r- receiver tag? Yeah. Like a Taysom Hill kind of thing with a QB, but like rookie year, probably not until we see it on the field. Yeah. But I was so confused why they drafted him that early. And then, they're like, hey, Julio, buy it. Like, you drafted him that early to make it part of your goal. I have him, Julio, and Calvin Ridley. Boom. This is like, our defense is poor, but we still have Matt. Like, it, it, if, you're, if you're doing that with Pitts, draft a quarterback in round two. Yes. Start, start your rebuild. Don't do Pitts and then tease, you know, if, I, if I'm an Atlanta fan, I'm pissed to see Julio go because you see, like, wow, they just got this unreal offense to make me make a run, you know, you got the Saints losing Drew Brees, Carolina still with Sam Darnold, like, you're only competing with the Bucks to win the division, like, you, you, you're right there, and then you just blow it, I, I just don't get, yeah, uh, and, I, and I don't know if it's because they have so much money still tied up in Matty Ice, and if you, you cut him or whatever, he's, you know, you're losing a big chunk of money, but either way, I would take somebody to right. begin let, let, the transition like, over, it's a one, uh, two Kyle, years, a Kyle Trask that the Bucks took. Yep. The Falcons should have taken that. Yeah. But 100%, 100%, I, I, don't know what they're, I don't know what they're doing. But again, now you mentioned the good point too, that Kyle Pitts comps more to a wide receiver. And, you know, we expect him to play a lot of that flexed out slot role or whatever you want to say, play some wide receiver um, packages, really. If that's the case, you cancel everything that I said about uh, tight end targets and you look at wide receiver targets. And now you're like, okay, well, 150 is a lot more realistic for a wide receiver target in the NFL, even for a rookie in an offense like this, that should be heavily pass oriented unless Mike Davis is really going to be your bell cow and run at 30 times a game. Right. right. I don't know that he is. If, he, if you want to keep Mike Davis to 20, 20 <laughs> totes a game, then you have to account for these 400, 500 uh, targets and, and rushing attempts somewhere. Like these, these plays aren't going away. Their defense isn't, isn't monumentally different. These plays are still going to occur. But I guess if you're running the ball, Arthur Smith style, maybe burn a little more clock. But let's say we even only take 75% of those plays. It still has to get allocated somewhere. And Kyle Pitts is my pick. If It's up to me. Yeah, I mean, and, and that kind of makes a guy like Hayden Hurst maybe a sneaky tight end late. Probably not, like last round, sure. Um, yeah, he's more I would like, be scared a, to take him, but I would. He, he's a more of a wait and see guy. Like if you're if you wait on tight end, you take a guy like Trotman or Cole Komet, Derek Cook late, they don't pan out. You see Pitts line up as a wideout more often than not, then Hayden Hurst is getting those like easy t- touchdowns. Sure, I'll, I'll pick him up, but guy on your radar, keep an eye on him. I wouldn't draft him in a league. He said, Yeah, he's somebody like that you would track, that. you would track like formation percentage of where Kyle Pitts is lining up. And if he is, like you said, outside a lot or he's not on the line. Then yeah. I might stash Hayden Hurst and say, okay, well, he's probably going to have some upside, even if he has it in week one or two. But if we see Kyle Pitts in the slaughter outside, by all means, go go snag Hayden Hurst because that means he's on the field or, or, or he's going to be in the near future. Yeah, I mean, they didn't pick up his option. But again, I wouldn't have if I was them because they can probably get him cheaper for yeah, next I guess year. Anything yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, for first-round pick. Yeah. Um, all right, well, that ends it with the Falcons. Um, so, question. Yes. Who is a sneaky, like a sneaky fancy player in this division? If you, if you had to pick one. I mean, I don't know how sneaky he is, but I would say Russell Gage really, really mm-hmm. uh, fits the bill for a lot of what we would call like a sleeper, but like not a super deep one. Because I think we know it, and, and sometimes I, I kind of forget about us all kind of being psychos. And uh, kind of being really, really in tune with a lot of players in the league that maybe other people forget about. But Russell Gage is the wide receiver two in this offense. And so it's hard to call a wide receiver two a sleeper. But a lot of people aren't drafting Russell Gage until a lot later, 
because his name is Russell Gage and he hasn't really done anything massive in his career. But people even slept on him as a wide receiver 37 last year. Like I was starting him week in and week out as a flex play. And people are like, why do you have Russell Gage in your lineup? Or like they're offering me like fourth round picks in our dynasty league, which are yeah. throwaway picks. And I'm like, this guy's not as bad as you seem to think he is. He also will throw for a touchdown here and there, which is, you know, fun. That's but, nice. Yeah. He's, he's a guy that I like. Um, trying to think of like a, a more deep sleeper that might be, that might be more, I guess what I said earlier too, Scotty Miller is, is a hundred percent a deep mm-hmm. sleeper. Um, he's a guy I would definitely take in a, in a late round flyer. Uh, again, if any of those guys goes down, Godwin Evans Brown, Scotty Miller is probably the guy that goes on the field based on the season he had with Brady last year. Like they looked comfortable together. They were gelling and he's, he's a good ball player. So he's somebody I would definitely like. I don't know that he has a role if AB shows up and plays well, like from day one. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I, and if he does, I don't know how big that role is. So I think he's an injury away. He might be more of like a monitor him for a little bit and see what he does. But then you might end up just having to spend more fab budget on him to pick him up. So it's a double-edged sword. I would rather – I always trend towards stashing these guys rather than trying to pick them up when, when they're the hot commodity of the week. Um, I'd rather be a week early on somebody than end up dropping him on my own time schedule than not have a guy or have to spend 50 bucks on him like a freaking Ty Johnson and then I get made fun of for five years. I get you. Yep, you still do. <laughs> you freaking idiot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Gage is a fantastic pick because, again, I said, why does with 37 last year? If that's his floor, you still win where he's getting drafted. Um, I was going to go with a guy like Adam Troutman, but I think he's more talked up now and everyone kind of knows him. As of, you know, a deep stash, deep sleeper, OJ Howard, the Bucks. Um, yeah. If he's healthy, I know he's not healthy right now. He's still not in training camp, but he's not, he's not on the pup yet. So that's a good sign. So I think OJ powered sneaky late pick. Um, one other decent one is Cordero Patterson. Um, you know, we talk about who's, who else is going to run the ball in that, it, in that Falcon offense. It's him. I mean, I, well, I mean, Craig's not, not here, but you, you do, you do have Quadra Allison, which yes, that's true. Increases, a, a same. Yeah. Craig's, Defense, like that, that's a fantastic sneaky guy. Because is Mike Davis going to get 250 carries this season? Probably not. Like, like yeah. he, he's just not. And Coach Allison has been there for two straight years. And I mean, it's a brand new offense, so it doesn't really matter. But um, I wish Craig was here because you know, he would say how he fits the Arthur Smith yeah. run scheme and, and the mold and everything. But I mean, redraft, I don't know. It's tough to take him. But if you're in Dynasty and he's still out there, I would pick him up in a heartbeat. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that kind of does it for the, the NFC. Uh, I would say South. so. So to win the the, the division team, Bucks. Yeah, I, I I think that's easy with Breeze gone. Uh, the the worst team. I'm going to say. Let's say the Falcons finish in the yeah. basement again. I'm say Fal- <sighs> Falcons are Panthers, but if CMC is Philadelphia, they yeah. get a two, two more wins just because of it. That's what I'm thinking. And, and if CMC Falcons plays, yeah. And I think, what, what I think the Falcons, like, I mean, sorry, I think the Panthers and the Saints are probably pretty close, like end of season six, seven wins. Yep. Yeah. And Falcons probably scrape the basement at three to five. I He's think five is their ceiling, which is unfortunate. But if, again, if they put it together and Mike Davis stays healthy and their offense is great. They could see eight wins, but I'm not going to put them any higher than that because their defense is still a problem. Yeah, and after these division previews are done, I think we'll get do a uh, big podcast with the TSF book burners, and they'll give us you know the picks of the you know over under. I, I, I'm not sure what each team is at for yeah, win totals. Uh, Bucks, I would think they'd be like 11 and a half or 12 at least. Yeah. Um, but these are the ones that could be. Four, seven. I, I, I don't know, but you know, you can get lucky though. I mean, on some of these plus minuses for season win totals, like even when the Patriots were killing it year after year, they'd get ten and a half like all the time, and I would just hammer the over. It's like, why would I not take ten and a half? Shit, I took yeah, no. nine and a half but... on them last year with Manga. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb idiot. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think that that does it. What's the next vision? What's the one that that uh, 
You did. NFC East will be up next. I'll have that done tomorrow, so we'll be good to rock and roll anytime after Ooh, yeah. that. Some fist magic coming up next. I love it. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff in that division, too. Like, not a lot of good teams. <laughs> the records are terrible. Seven and nine was the best in the division by the Washington football team. But interesting players. And honestly, I feel like this happens quite a bit. One of our worst divisions has some of the most interesting fantasy implications for players that you're going to want to draft and pick. So, Yep, bad um, teams. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about all, all that. Yeah. All right. Well, um, for me and Corey Dows, um, that's the NFC South podcast. More, more coming up. And uh, stay fluid, stay loose.